Shit, man. I am so happy to be alive. I just want to say that. Every day, everything makes more sense. And even when it doesn't, it does. And I uh, read something that said something along the lines of happiness not being constant, but wholeness being constant. And I feel that. I feel that. I feel that deep. Like all the all the things I see are far more cyclical and connected. And I am just appreciative that this is happening to me right now. And the question the questioning voice in my head that, that asks what I'm doing and if I should be doing it gets quieter and quieter every day and holy shit does it feel nice to just live instead of asking asking what way I should live. So yeah, I'm I'm in it right now. I'm uh, I'm going to a party tonight. It's a, <laughs> the theme is seventies porn. <laughs> so that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know how that's gonna go. But I'm I'm eager to, to see what, what's up. See all the the clothing. Uh, my guest today, I'm ecstatic about my man John from the band John. Toured with Idols, just the rawest shit. So good. Released their album back in October called Out Here on the Fringes. Very good songwriting. He's a he's a drummer and a singer, which is bonkers. And uh just a cool ass dude. And showed me a lot about art and I appreciate him. And I appreciate anybody who listens to this. It's December, so I hope anyone who celebrates this month differently than they do other months are enjoying that celebration. My tree is up, my lights are up. I'm feeling it. Uh, I wish the best to anyone who hears this. And I appreciate you, and I appreciate John, and I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with John Newton. think so like drawing about their music to to now Joe's very clever with the way that he writes his 
lyrics and I think there was a lot of you know very clever kind of poetic um moves that he made especially on the first album brutalism oh yeah um that kind of used some kind of popular cultural references which were both kind of social and political mm-hmm. but mi- mixed in with you know it sounding really amazing so it's like it's a really potent mixture between creating something that is is relevant to um the politics of now but also it, it sounds great as well so they had this like really you know toxic mix of of it actually saying something mm. and it, it sounding you know catchy and, and humorous at times as well so it's it's um i think that was just ready for people to kind of lap it up really so yeah so that's you know where do you think your music falls into that Or, or actually, I guess I don't. I don't want to compare it to that real quick. So I guess tell me like what you like what you want. So so tell me what you would want someone to like say about your music the way you just said it about them, and then tell me if you think that like you're you feel like you're achieving that. If that makes um, sense. Yeah, I think I think because I come from a background that is more more arts based. To be honest, uh-huh. so I didn't. I wasn't. I never trained other than kind of basic uh, music lessons at school and, you know, drum drum lessons. Um, I, I come from more of an arts education, so I've always been interested in how you can communicate or re-communicate a story. Um, so I like when people kind of identify the songs as, as these vehicles for... Um, for a small narrative, basically, and and that through a song, when it gets smashed into a song structure, it um, it becomes something else. So the, the the story, the original story, becomes fictionalized. Um, and I, I yeah, I just want to make albums that kind of feel like they come from uh, the everyday. So things that are you know observations that I have within within my life and then I kind of fold them into into the, the song structures and I mean I think start to build albums that are you know have a have a feeling surrounding them not necessarily mm-hmm. like a concept album but yeah I feel, you, can I feel read, you. you can read the whole album as as a kind of overarching mood that might represent or tell something of our present or you know my you know my existence within the present so right yeah so I think, yeah, um, in a similar way, idols, you know, have have done that. Um, but I think maybe, you know, where we are, you know, slightly different. It, it's more. It always comes from a kind of more personal viewpoint. I think right. um, I'm not really interested in making big blanket statements about the world. I'd, I'd rather speak from my arm's length, and then that you know, can be interpreted as something that is uh, a greater message. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I hope, yeah, did that kind of answer it? Yeah, slightly? for sure. But, like, yeah, but I hope, you know, I hope people can can kind of grasp small, basically small stories yeah. with, through the songs. What do you think's the mood of the last album you just put out? Like, what's the, what's the connecting storyline you're talking about? Well, yeah, I suppose um, the album is called 
in tennis. Um, and that serves as a bit of a signpost um, to set up this landscape for these stories to live in. So I moved kind of to the edges of, of London. Mm-hmm. So I really am on the edge of the postcodes of London. So uh, wow. You know, I've been in I've been in the city for a long time, and um, moving out to the edges. There's just lots of things that come very evident, um, whether it's to do with the kind of financial situation of having to move out to, you know, perhaps a, a cheaper part of, you know, a very expensive kind of ever inflating city. And also, you know, just like materially as well, there's lots of surplus of stuff. There's lots of warehouses out here. There's lots of, you know, there's lots of... Um, fly tipping so you know when people dump things because yeah. they can't afford to dispose of them correctly so there's all these little images that kind of started to come to me about which which do talk about um our current our current situation perhaps our current politics um from living in this area so there's a lot of um mentions throughout the songs that kind of attempt to build up this slightly dystopian view of, of um, a landscape which is kind of loosely based on you know where I am at the moment so I, you know I don't think it's too too much doom and gloom but I think there yeah. are some you know there are some darker moments um, on the on the album and you know also it's, <laughs> I guess it's just wrestling with you know a lot of the you know political things that we have to deal with at the moment which I'm sure you know yeah. everyone's aware of internationally yeah. or yeah do you feel discomfort more so than anything else with politics um, or even where you're living I think I think you know it's my choice to live in this it was my choice to live in this city for various reasons when I was younger um, and I think it has become drastically harder for people you know people I, I'm incredibly privileged to a degree to, to be able to live here, mm. uh, and I can't I can't imagine what it's like for, for certain people trying to stay in in certain areas where they may have grown up um, in the city just because of the way that um, you know the way that yeah the way that capitalism has, has kind of worked especially um, within within London it's. Uh, yeah, it's very very difficult because the prices go up, but the way the wages don't go up. So it's um, I wouldn't. Yeah, oh, you know, I still there's still lots of things I enjoy about uh, the city, including you know the amount of music and culture that gets generated from it. Um, but it is you know it is it is a bit of a wrestle because um, it, it just doesn't seem to stop like this this incessant ramping up of um, of prices and I mean that leads to to lots of other you know lots of other problems so you know I'm, I'm hopeful that you know things can change with um, kind of with our need to move into a different system that isn't kind of so neoliberal or so focused yeah. on finance but um, but yeah I, you know I did I did want this album to you know be uh, yeah to feel you know, like to, to kind of show some attrition towards that discomfort um but i don't you know i, I do think there's some you know some hope in that as well it's not sure. a, yeah it's not a doom record how do you feel music plays a role in like 
social change and political change? Because I know it's a, I know it's a broad question, but like, because I don't, yeah, I, I guess however that however that hits you, like, what role do you do you think there's anything superficial about it or like because um, like do you feel fulfilled after you're like yeah I did something you know or is it more like personal exercise and you're like well if somebody else relates to this that's that's grand you know yeah I think I think it like I said earlier with the way that I would write the music I think it starts really on the ground so like rather than making these big making these big statements that you think might you know you know we've heard a lot of bands say oh the government's bad or you know whatever you know but I I really I really do believe that like playing shows and going and meeting people and and kind of inviting people into places of of culture that are you know that kind of show the the beauty of that exchange I really do that feel like that can enrich people's lives um, and I think you know being part of a band and, and and kind of helping do that through kind of presenting music and you know having people kind of come and you know enjoy you know the entertainment of it like I, I do think people kind of go away and can you know their their, their views can be changed um, you know, I've seen evidence of it, whether it be, you know, people joining kind of band fan groups like Idols and, and kind of finding a new kind of lease of life yeah. within kind of their quite mundane kind of working backgrounds. Um, you know, people changing their opinions from, you know, in some ways quite, you know, quite, yeah, quite threatening opinions to become kind of a lot more liberal. So I do think it can it can change. I don't I don't want to say like you know I don't want to say it can you know change the world overnight. But I I just I do believe that it is like it's the best thing you can do is like is you know you know make things and enjoy making things and share them with people. So um, to be able to do that and you know, have other people kind of respond really primarily to that is, you know, I think that is a change, if, if anything. Right. You know. But I, yeah, I, I guess that's, you know, you can try your best to do something, but like, yeah. that's, that's how I live my life. But, um, it just, yeah. It gets tough because sometimes like when I'm creating, you know, you feel selfish now and again because you're like, well, I could be like, you know, rallying or like I could be out in the streets or something and I'm sitting here, you know, writing or, or whatever. But there's, but there has, but there has to be a place for it. You know, there there has to be a a mixture. It can't just be all like legislature and like protests, because then it gets like dark. <laughs> you got to have something no, no, like. No. Yeah, no, it's I weird. Agree. Like I, I don't think, you know, there's got to be other tactics there, and I think you know, it's, that's the that's the thing about that kind of. Um, the, the, the stranglehold of capitalism is so good at like enveloping stuff into it that um, you know it takes subtlety and it takes nuance to kind of find find ways of kind of changing opinion. So I think like creativity is is a perfect example of that because you have to be really light on your feet and you've got to respond to things. Um, so yeah, like uh, I think you know. You know, there's a long history of you know books, certain books having really real political power, right? Or, 
Right. You know, it's so I think yeah, I think it is yeah, I think it's it's good that there's different you know, rather than you know, we need lots of methods to try and kind of overthrow this um you know, some of the bad things that are happening at the moment. So yeah. I think yeah, you can feel like you're not doing enough, but I think you know, you have to do your bit and hope that like you can encourage in an audience like other movements and other inspiration. Yeah. So um, yeah, so art's a great way of, of kind of spreading that message, I guess, because it is about a, you know a lot of the time it's about an audience or a reader or a, you know yeah. Sometimes I worry about like I don't know. I don't have much perspective. But sometimes I worry about the like the motivations be behind some of the creative output today. Like obviously there's bands like you and like idols and like there's of course like copious amounts of bands that are trying to say something real. But like at least around my age group, like young mid twenties, like the goal for creativity sometimes is just like weird, like like YouTube culture and stuff, like just kind of validation. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's like you're, I don't know. I just can't imagine making something without trying to feel like I'm exercising something, like some sort of worry or some sort of like concern that somebody else may have. I just find it weird that it's normal to just kind of record yourself doing anything. And and that's like, like, I I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how to study it. I'm sure there's going to be tons of sociology experiments done in the future about it but it just seems like the entire way that people are thinking about like creating an output of of art is i don't know maybe i'm babbling but no i think i think it's there's been a lot kind of mentioned about it and you know it brings me back to my kind of background in art and um seeing in a way, some sometimes how art, you know, art in itself starts to begin to look like art. It, it kind of folds back in on itself. So, you know, there's lots of people who, you know, lots of objects or artists who, you know, I don't want to be too critical of certain people or, or name names, <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, they're there, there was certainly a time when I was working in the arts where I, I started looking at objects and they just seemed to like pass as an art object. It's like they, it, it, it seemed very, it didn't seem to be saying anything, but it, it kind of looks like art and mm-hmm. it, it smells like art, but is, isn't the art the kind of, isn't, isn't that like the vehicle that we're using to get to some kind of information? Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, especially with art, where that can kind of get usurped very easily into commerce. And I think when you're pressured to make things uh, in order for them to sell perhaps through a, a gallery or an exhibition system, I think it's very easy to try and, you know, to start making things that, that kind of, yeah, that like fit in and, and pass for that, um, pass the grade of being something that you know is read as contemporary art but actually is it is it saying enough um and like like you say you know to your worry of kind of having some kind of um yeah some kind of message to give i think it is really yeah i think it's really important that people do 
you know, look at what they're making and, and really think about it. I don't know whether it's whether it's worthwhile. Um, and yeah, it reminds me of this uh, documentary maker called Adam Curtis. I don't have you heard of Adam mm. Curtis? No. Uh, British documentary maker, and he he kind of talks a lot about contemporary art and actually kind of anticipating that perhaps contemporary art will be the kind of um, will be a signal of our conformity in a way, which I was quite interested in. Because of this this repetition of modes, this um, yeah, like like this, like I said about an object, kind of yeah, just just existing to kind of look like the facsimile of art. I don't know. Maybe I'm not making very much sense. No, I'm following. I'm following. Yeah, um, but I am interested in that, and I think there is. But I think it's a genuine worry, and I think it's good a good one to worry about. And I think the same with music is, you know, there's lots of bands or music that just, it, it feels like, it just, yeah, I don't want it just to be another another tune. I, I, I want to be really kind of, you know, capturing something within it. And, you know, that's why, you know, to come back to the album, that's why I want these these little abstracted stories to be in there because it's you know becomes a little collection much like a book or um or an artwork it feels so so much more like like in all the stuff i create whether it's like some music and stuff or, or writing like i guess my brain's just not wired in the way to make just something that's like like i want i want to feel i don't know i want to feel good about it at the end of the day and the problem is like i don't want to be a tool that's like everything has to say something you know like at the end of the day, art's subjective, yada, yada, yada. But, like, there's some stuff that you're just, like, but it just, like, it feels, like, hollow. It's so weird. Like, like even if something, I don't, even if I don't like something at all, like, if it doesn't make me feel good, if, like, the artist is, like, putting themselves into it, like, I love it. You know, like, I just appreciate it. And when you when you hear something that's just, like, it just it makes me feel bad because I'm, like, I need to just not care as much because there is always a place for, like, pop songs that are just pop songs there's a place for like rap songs that are just like fun like there's a place for that 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 should exist i've been there like i've had the endorphins running from it but like i don't know at the end of the day that's not the stuff that i want to like sleep to or like sit with or think about no 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 so i have i don't know i just have to like constantly ask myself like all right relax don't be the guy that's like this is not music or, or whatever no, no, no. I, yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, I've learned. You know, from probably yeah, like being relatively opinionated from listening to certain types of music. But yeah, there is. Yeah, there's absolutely room. I just think I think there's there's room for, you know, there's room for. Like there's room for like thoughtful. There's room for thought in all you know in all genres and. Um, mm. And I think yeah, that doesn't mean to say that like uh, yeah, like you say like a pop song can't be you know, incredibly eloquent or beautiful in, in a sim, in a simple way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't, in some ways, you know, I don't think our songs, even though I've probably made them sound very, uh, you know, pretentious or, <laughs> or, or highly strung. Oh, the, like that, that is the scariest word of all time. Yeah. <laughs> pretentious. Yeah. Ah. pretentious. I'm happy, yeah, I'm happy to say it. Um, <laughs> That word but just I makes think, me feel like ugly. I don't know why. I know, yeah. Well, 
I need um, it. I think Dan Fox, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Pretentiousness. And kind of why it's important or, or, you know, how we should kind of respond to that word. But, um, how do you but feel yeah, about think, it? Like, what do you, sorry? how do you feel about the word pretentious? Like, do you think it's, do you think it's used the way it should be most of the time? Or like, like how, how do you feel about that word? I, I think there's, there's probably a lot more, um, I think, yeah, it's good that there's been a book written about it, basically. <laughs> um, I think, I think there's a, you know, there's a good reason for, you know, there's a good reason for things being kind of thought out. I think, yeah, I think it's, on the whole, it's probably very misused. And now it's kind of etymology has been, has been used as a bit of a hyperlink to a certain person. And it's like, that's, you know, it's like when you say, you know, I've been discussing, you know, the, the, you know the regeneration or uh, gentrification of, of certain areas, and you know people getting you know <laughs> getting uh, upset at the, the, the kind of hipster effect. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. Being this kind of term that we hedge things around, and I just yeah, it just seems really simplistic when we use the term so as a blanket to to kind of you know it, it, it's really binary and it makes people. It, it's, it makes people jump to circumstances or uh, opinions really quickly. Yeah, um, I think it's a dance. I think that that's, that's always a real dangerous move because you, you know, someone ends up getting um, hurt basically. So yeah, so for you know, for example, you could, you know, it's so easy for someone to say, oh, you know, all these artists or hipsters or whatever are moving into this certain area, um, and you know, making it nice and then driving up the rent prices, but. Is it not the the people who are kind of hijacking the the soft sell kind of lifestyle of those artists who have brought some kind of interest into an area and then kind of using that to sell, you know, right. flats or you know, it's it's it seems like you know it's all too easy to jump to conclusions, but it's quite frustrating when people, um, yeah, make those jumps um, too quickly. I think, um, so yeah, I think yeah, pretension needs to be handled with some rubber gloves. <laughs> Whenever I hear the word like like yeah, I definitely agree with the fact that I think I think it's misused more often than not. Like I think it's a really lazy insult a lot of the time is like if somebody's talking about something that's you know, anything about philosophy or like they start talking about some Japanese band, yeah. it's like, oh, you know, like, careful. But the only time that I feel the word, like, like when I feel the need to use it is when someone is trying to, like, feign knowledge. Like, when someone's trying to, like, express that they know about something when they don't. Yeah. And that that feels comfortable to me to call it, like, pretentious because you're just, like, you're just being dishonest with yourself. But... Yeah. There's certain things that, like, you can be an expert on, and just talking about them in general, certain people aren't going to vibe with that, and they're going to be like, whoa, buddy. Like, Yeah, exactly. Like, you might be really into, like, I don't know, growing growing mushrooms and know a lot about that, and someone else might not like mushrooms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. Like, I suppose, in some ways, you know, the same can be said about art as well, mm-hmm. because... Mm. It's it's a shame actually because as soon as you say art exhibition or I'm an artist or 
whatever it 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 comes with its history of you know maybe like the past hundred you know years so like people you know you still get asked if you're a painter mm-hmm. and you're like well you know there's a lot of artists who you know don't make paintings you know but it seems it seems funny that there's there's this um this real expectancy to the term and again it it's just a bit like yeah it's a bit it's a bit frustrating yeah it's a bit frustrating and also the fact that you know the arts is seen as this kind of wealthy kind of luxury you know attached subject so you know for example that's perhaps why you know the you know the UK is an amazing exporter of culture and it seems that the government kind of seem to think that it is this thing that should be cut all the time it should be taken out of syllabuses it should be you know it, you know the money's better spent elsewhere you know but when it comes down to it it's it's not it shouldn't be this kind of luxury subject it's something that can enrich yeah. from a very you know very low down ground level uh, it, that yeah that that kind of um, yeah I, uh, that's been corrupted by that kind of pretension, I guess, that's been attached to it. I was, actually, it's not, it's not inherently a pretentious thing. There's a... I can't think of where he's from. Um, Schiller, Friedrich Schiller, German, I believe. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book on the aesthetic education of man. And, like, that flipped my idea of what I thought about art because it, he basically details how, like art can be misconceived as like a privilege like thing but he he argues which is whoa but like he argues that every single person should have like a deep a deep background in aesthetic understanding and like a deep education and what it means to like like what like what why do we want to like why do we see art and we're like hey like why what makes us feel good about looking at art what makes us want to take photos what makes us want to paint you know like he believes that like everybody should be taught that from a young age consistently in order to create like a more well-rounded like flourishing person and i I hadn't thought about it like that before and i think it's a really interesting point that like it, it could get a little optimistic at times just because of certain situations and obviously you know economies but yeah like that that is i do think it's neglected like just teaching teaching younger like just teaching kids what it means to actually have like aesthetic appreciation like it just sounds like most people if you say that it's going to be like like a kind of a foreign ground like they're just like oh i just like music you know but if everybody had like a fundamental understanding of like we're doing this all in aims of like connecting or trying to say something and seeing like the interplay of like culture, I think I do think it would be fruitful. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. That's what. That's kind of what I. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. Where I was going with it, I think, is is that that's it. I mean, that's that's kind of like where you know, and it, it, it's a shame because I think with my own kind of young education, I, I, I think <laughs> you know, I identified that I was really excited by you know by the arts, and, and luckily I had some good people who kind of help me to kind of do more of that but I think otherwise it it could have been quite stifling um, because we didn't get enough room to kind of really be creative and you know hopefully that's changed a little bit in in British schools but Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know I still I still think it yeah I still think it could be you know more 
yeah, it could be it could be pushed more. And I think you know, I, you know, someone like I'm sure there's probably about a hundred Brian Eno lectures. Oh, yeah. His in, interest in in kind of creative education. I went to one of his long player uh, conversations. Oh really? Uh, How was that? Years ago. Yeah, with was is it David Graeber who's part of the Occupy? I don't movement. know. I don't know. I think yeah, it was it was a you know it's a famous conversation that they hold, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was just a lot about a lot about. Um, you know, different attitudes to education. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's, you know, I think it touched upon kind of, you know, a lot of Scandinavian approaches to, you know, learning outdoors. Right. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't remember too much about it, but I just, yeah, I just think it, you know, if we were able to, yeah, understand the art is, as a, as a kind of, as a really, really positive thing across the boards, as opposed to hedging it, like, on a level next to science and next to yeah, yeah. you know English or you know history, like all these things are kind of bound bound together in a in a much more um, yeah much more important way. And I do, that's kind of how I see you know when I make music and art, you know if I am going to put them in those categories, like I I, I think there's a lot of um, things moving in between those industry kind of hedged boundaries um, and I think that that, that, that that would be good in education as well it's just strange because like for some reason society has like put art up on a pedestal like you people pay so much money for the stuff and that's why it's like such a weird dynamic is because people feel it's unreachable like people paying millions of dollars for like art I don't know like it was um I think Manzoni in like the 60s put his shit in a can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And called it artist shit. <laughs> and like, well, like. Oh, yeah, all the Dada kind of. I mean, that's why it was like, such a. You know, it's why Duchamp was so in, in such an important figure because it tried to turn that. Um, and still it like keeps. Like that just makes it even more like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, I, I try and see it like. Because I became very quite frustrated with um, with that system. Because I, you know, I worked with galleries. I, I yeah. used to work for an artist, um, a very successful and a lo- lovely guy, a guy called Ryan Gander, who's a good mm-hmm. friend of mine. Worked in his studio for seven years, um, so kind of really got used to the inner workings of, um, I, I guess, the arts industry. <coughs> And, and you know, a, a kind of way of me dealing with that was understanding that that arts industry isn't all of arts. But I think you know, but I think that the public perception of arts is almost like they only see these articles written in questionable newspapers about when something sells for right, right. over five minutes. So it's like that. I mean, I can understand why that would be the first hyperlink that someone would make if they you know they weren't more exposed to the you know to you know lower to the ground kind of organizations but i you know it's a shame that people you know just think it is this pretentious unobtainable thing when it is you know it's you know it's like when you draw when you're a kid because you just enjoy doing it you know mm-hmm. um that's that's art do you know what i mean like so yeah it, it 
it, it, it is funny that, that there's this big hangover of, I always say hangover of tradition, like it's, there's so many examples of that, but I think that, you know, there's so many perpetual things that, attitudes that keep going around that kind of, in a way, kind of stifle, yeah, stifle um, progress. But you, yeah, you just got to keep knocking your head on the wall, I guess. <laughs> So do you think having worked with artists closely then that there seems to be like, like do you see a difference between an artist who's making art just for like that childlike sake or are there, are there sometimes artists in the, in the culture that are solely like aiming to sell? Because like I, I believe that there are artists that have taken advantage of the world of art, like, 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 uh, paint, like paint industry. Yeah, like painters who mimic or like, like there seems to be a kind, I, I don't know, it's so weird, I forgot his name, unfortunately, but I just watched this documentary about like one of the most famous, like, mi mimics, I guess, like, he mimed, like, uh, yeah, yeah. and like, that's a really weird space for me to get into, because obviously he's like, brilliantly talented to be able to replicate all of these like, incredible paintings, but also he's not like, it's not coming from like a passionate place i guess so it's like it's like just, why are you doing it yeah. yeah i don't know i'm i'm curious what you've seen in people's motivations i guess um i think um i think there's there's certainly kind of understand there's an understanding of uh, you know a, a system of you know selling things and a gallery system taking things to fairs and making money um, you know, in, you know, in my opinion, you know, I think there's certainly people who are become very mechanical about it and they, and they realize what they, what they can sell and how they can kind of replicate ideas. Uh -huh. Um, I mean, I think, you know, even though, Ryan, who I worked with, who's incredibly successful, um, who, you know, who, there are certain ideas that can be kind of, there, there were certain ideas that can be replicated. I think he, he works in a very clever way where actually he only really replicates the works when the idea um, deserves replicating. So there's this beautiful series of uh, marble uh, cast sculptures that are um, that are they're basically like dens that he made with his with his daughter, and so although you know on, in a commercial sense, yeah, you might, there might be ten of them, and they could be there's a replicatable process which enables you to be like, okay, this one can sell, this right, one right. can sell. We know the process; it's it's kind of efficient for its commerce. There's also a conceptual reason in the fact that, like, you might, you know, you might spend different moments with your daughter making right, right. different dens, and then uh, you gradually see through the series as she gets older, you know, these dens become more elaborate. So there's, there is, you know, that replication isn't doesn't necessarily just have to be about commercial, um, you know, convenience. But also, it does, you know. I suppose, you know, it does. It does help to, you know, know how to make something and, and, and you know, repeat something. So yeah, it's, it's you have to negotiate.
know, yeah, I, I've always, yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's tough. No, nothing's pure, but like, I, it's not, it's not, I can't really give a solution, do you know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah. that would be great, but like, I've just seen examples of when it's done like very badly and when people are, you know, more savvy about the way that they kind of work within these these gallery systems. But, you know, I didn't have a particularly good time um, within that. Um, and also, even within the music that we make, like, I'm very careful about how I, you know, how we approach things and how I kind of, I'm, I make sure that everything has, has real kind of multiplicity of meaning for me rather than it being something that is you know forced out and um, yeah yeah if if you feel like what you're saying is like genuine i feel like that's the most you can ask for at least in my experience like if i feel like i'm saying this because i think it's like i've learned that when you say things they should be honest and helpful and if if i can like mark both those things off i'm like okay that's, that's yeah, good I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, because I, I suppose it's like when you make an artwork or, you know, whatever you make, when you, you, you're like, what are you trying to give to the, what are you trying to say to the viewer? Like, mm-hmm. it's something that I really learned. I just finished a master's program. Oh, really? In, uh, yeah, at, at the Royal College of Art. Good for you, in man. London. And, um, like, one of the, one of the most, I mean, I've, a lot of people will know this, but, one of the, the kind of strategies of a critical session at the Royal College would be um, you, you know, like a, you have a group of people come to look at the work um, and you're, but rather than talk about it, you're not allowed to say anything for 10 minutes. And then you can only answer questions from other people. So rather than that kind of traditional stand up in front of your work and explain it, you're actually given these comments from people like out of your body without your your all your preconceived notions and histories of this work. You really get to learn an honest, I say an honest, but like a uh, an external um, view of your work. You you get these comments back, and you know it's a great thing to do because you really realise like the importance of clarity in your communication. So yeah. what are you actually saying and what are you not saying? Or what, what do you think you're saying and what what is actually being seen? It's it's quite yeah, it's quite interesting to um to have that. So I think I've become more aware of you know, when I do want to be very direct about something, you know, perhaps in a song you there's certain words that you can use that can really direct an image. Um, and then at other points, you, it's fine being more aloof. Like, I think that's, yeah, something that I learned. I mean, I've wandered away from the point here, but like, um, I tend to do that. But that's what the title of the podcast is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wander away from there the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you do when you make something and you feel like, full body commitment and it feels right and it exercises what you wanted to feel and then it doesn't it doesn't connect with anybody <laughs> like what 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 do you do with that feeling because that's when i get caught up because i'll make something 
And it'll be mostly for me because I'll be exercising some worry or some concern or, or just something good. And then if somebody doesn't connect with it, then you're left with like, like it doesn't make your feelings less than, but it's kind of like, huh? Like, what do you, what do you do with that feeling? Um, I mean, like, so yeah, I had, uh, there's probably been a few times where that's happened. Um, and I suppose I look, you know, from that experience, I then, I then looked at, um, you know, what, what could actually be got from that experience and like what information and triggers had I given in these artworks and, um, was I, you know, was I direct enough or did I need to give more information? You know, like there's the, the classic kind of scenario where, you know, someone walks into gallery and, you know, doesn't know anything about the work, but then there's, you know, perhaps five sheets of A4 on the wall, which helps you to kind of read the work. Like, yeah, you're trying to get that perfect distance in between saying enough, but not saying too much. And I think when I've had those moments, I've just pondered on whether I felt like I did give enough or whether I, you know, whether I could be, could have been more direct. Um, and sometimes you just, you know, sometimes I'm like, no, I'm happy with what I did and you just stick to your guns. But like uh-huh. other times, you know, there's been, yeah, I mean, you just, you just go on to the next piece and you, you try and, get better at honing that communication. Uh, I think, in a way, with music, it's like, it seems like it's more acceptable to be, you know, you can get away with it a bit more because the music is, it seems like, sometimes I feel like that's a, I, sometimes I actually feel like quite guilty because the music is a distraction as well. So like, yeah. or the song. So I'm always like, how appropriate is the song and, the, you know, the lyrics and things coming together. And, you know, that's why I suppose a lot of people, you know, make certain types of noise music that maybe are, it is, you know, seems more, you know, more conceptually meshed together rather than having like guitars and drums and traditional instrumentation that might just seem there as more of a matter of fact. And then having lyrics that kind of aid the storytelling moment. Um, yeah, so like I, I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still developing my opinions on how I go about making music. But um, I think certainly in the new album, there's some moments where we kind of brought in some samples and some spoken word pieces to really build uh, a more enmeshed um, story. I guess, rather than it being the kind of traditional, uh, you know, traditional punk song that you might, you know, have heard, you know, many times before. But like, I, yeah, I think you just, you just develop that ability to become clear and it's just practice. You just have to keep going with it. Like if someone doesn't like it and it's like, oh, well, you know, just go on to the next one. Like don't let, yeah, don't get hung up on it, I guess. Do you think there's a place you can be as an artist where you'll be like satisfied um or if you're already there please tell me how you uh, i don't i think the constant there's there's always a constant like want to search for more like and i think 
I'm not I'm never gonna kind of sit back on my laurels and you know it's just the way I am I'm like I'm, I'm interested in I find new things that I'm interested in and I kind of skip to the next you know this next thing so you know I'm not it's not like I'm dissatisfied with what I've done I think there's lots of things that um you know there's lots of things that I haven't been happy with in the past and I think you just get better at being able to kind of understand that that was a necessary process to move on to the next next thing but um but yeah like like i said i don't think it's you know I, i'm always looking to, to kind of work look on move on to the next the next project i'm sure i'll look you know i like to think i'll look back and be proud of certain things that i've done but um but yeah it's not like i i don't think i will just kind of stop doing it because I feel like I've solved everything <laughs> Don't, I mean it's part of the journey isn't it is there is there a, even so like is there a, a place or a or like a state of well-being that you like picture yourself being at when making art or when trying to express ideas or is it just kind of like as it comes like ah this shit this shit you know because um, in my head I picture like I don't know it's it's very very off but of course, like I always picture, there's a place in my head where it's like, well, eventually I'll have said most things that I want to say, or like something like that, and that's like really, that's really hard to to picture. But I'm curious if you have that at all. Um. Or is it just all chaos and random and nothing matters and you know? I think no, I think I just get interested in in new stuff. Like it's just this constant filter of things that I see on like a daily basis. So, um, yeah, and I think wherever I might find myself, I think there'll always be things that um, kind of filter into the the music or or the artworks. But you know, I, I, you know, it would be nice to think that you know there would be a more comfortable uh, place, you know geographically where, where I could feel a bit more settled but mm-hmm. you know I feel you know I feel I, I also like this uh, this 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 kind of um, nomadism of kind of going around and playing shows and you know you know visiting new places so you know I, I at the same time as kind of wanting to feel settled in where I make my work um, you know I'm not I've not been a particularly studio bound artist in a long time but um but yeah i mean don't really know how to answer it too well mm-hmm. but i think yeah i think just new stuff comes you know just always yeah. seeing new stuff and, and kind of wanting to respond to it for sure where do you where do you see yourself when you're like old because does old, like does this all feel kind of temporary you know like like, could, are you going to be making, like, punk records into your 80s, 90s, or... Oh, uh, I, yeah, physically, I don't know whether I'll be able to. It's, like, quite... because <laughs> I drum and sing. Yeah, yeah. And there's it, one other guy, so Johnny, who's the uh, guitarist in, in John, um, you know, it's, it means that it's quite a physical thing, because we're both, you know, there's no, there's no respite, really. We're both, if one of us drops out, then, you know, that's that's the music gone in a way um i would i mean i i just i try and be more present these days i think like in the past like maybe like five to 
10 years ago I was I was a lot more worried about a long term future oh really and that that led to a lot of you know anxieties and you know it's just you know you can't really control that stuff so I've, I've become better you know I still I still get very anxious about certain things but like I I, I'm a lot better at, at not trying to predict a future because you're you, you're not going to be able to. But right. um, I do just, you know, I just sincerely kind of believe, like, really, I, I really work hard on the things that I'm, I'm I'm kind of really interested in at this moment. So, you know, I I can't really say I'd, I'd love to be, you know, still making music and still making art. Um, where you know where I don't know. Um, you know, London. Like, as I said, you know, I've been I've been in London for ten years, so I don't know whether at some point I might feel like being somewhere else. But I, it, I don't. At this moment, I just I haven't looked too far too far forward, other than you know booking in you know shows next year. But it's I suppose cause it's just an it's just an exciting moment in our in, in our kind of history as a band because. Um, Woo. There's lots of you know new things like having an agent for the first time and, and being ooh, able to ooh, go ooh. out and play further afield. I just yeah, I'm just kind of enjoying responding to that on a more <coughs> on a more daily basis. But um, but yeah, I'm sure I'll still be making art. Like I'm sure I'll still be doing something creative. I think I can't not do it. I've done it for you know since I was tiny. So like tiny. I don't know how else. How else to live, really? I have this uh, piece of paper on my wall, and it says, um, "Worry is like paying a debt that may never come due." And I think about that a lot because you're like you're sacrificing your now to think about a time that may or may not come, and likely won't come at all in the way that you expect it to. So I, re- I really like the way you think about that. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, it's a good good thing to have in your wallet. I should have it on my forehead. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I've I've I definitely I've definitely learned the hard way with that stuff. And um, yeah, just yeah, it's not it's not worth wasting that right. um, wasting that time. Because um, you got to be of, concerned about something. You know, like you got to have some concern, but you can't you can't give it too much life because then it then it starts to create things. You know that aren't even real, like the word. No, no, no. It's true. It's true. You like, yeah. There, are, there's definitely. You know, there's planning. There's definitely planning. Yeah, and yeah. Things that you know that you can uh, that you can do, but uh, but yeah, any any kind of overthought is um, yeah can be really yeah it can be really unhealthy. And like, I think it can be really unhealthy when you're like you can almost shut down avenues before you've even followed them. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's a really good way to put so it. So it's good to follow the whim, and at the end of the day, if you like fail with something, it's like doesn't matter. Like right. no one's gonna hate you. Like, <laughs> right. Um, and it's so, so for example, like when you're in the studio recording a song, like it's very easy to think that you know that is the time that you get the the, the kind of the best and the the best take of this song, the, the, the one take that is like the sacred moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a way of I kind of, uh, I 
rationalised it is just understanding that it's just a take of, like it's just a snapshot of a song at a period of time. And that might seem quite idealistic to say that, because obviously, you know, by and large, it is often the, the, the thing that might go on the radio or might be heard by someone. But I just that just helps me to to feel, you know, the song changes as well. Like we, there's there's certain recordings I listen back to now and actually live. I, there's lots of things that I would sing. I sing differently, right. so it, it has developed like from that moment in time. So yeah, I think it's just being kind, being kind to yourself, and, and following the whim. I mean, sure. there's, again, there's enough YouTube videos of David David Lynch to, huh. to kind of help you. Oh, the man! What did he say like catch the little fishes in the in the net? But um, that man's I mean, on another level. Sorry. That man's on another level. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think he, you know, regardless of what certain people think about him, I think, you know, that ability to, to kind of wait and look for things in the process, like it's very similar to what Tom York said. So Tom York from Radiohead said on um, a recent um, Desert Island Discs, which is famous yeah, yeah, BBC yeah. program. I think I, I caught that a little bit of it. Yeah, he, he just said, you know, like being in the studio is just, you're in there waiting to catch this thing. And um, it's a bit like a drug, and it is, because you, you're just you're just kind of sitting there and like trying to get something that you don't know when is going to come, but when you get it, it's like a real path. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way of looking at artistic practices, is kind of you when you are like that's why people don't you know traditionally don't switch off from their artistic practice you don't clock in clock out you're always looking at the world thinking when might something jump out when can i use that when can i reappropriate that when can i um shift this into another medium so you know i think yeah he's he's someone i mean lynch is someone who um you know he's he's an advocate of that working process where you know the script is definitely not golden you know it's yeah it's you set up a, a sure. scenario and then within that scenario like the the accidents can happen you just have to kind of like observe and and then wait and you know kind of get them when they when they come mm. i like that a lot good stuff <laughs> Tom York's my man. Yeah, I mean, that was a great, it was a great interview. And um, I think, you know, it, it, it was really helpful because I think it was just, just after we had um, finished the album. And um, yeah, and it, it, a lot of that process really rang true because uh, in one particular, the title, the title track out here on the fringes, was um, I think we had just got back off tour with Idols last year, and um, it was weird because it was like I wanted that that type of song on the album. Like I had this imaginary mm-hmm. entity, and and it kind of came. Like obviously we did we did push for something that was maybe a little bit slower mm-hmm. and slightly different. But when, when we actually wrote the song, which usually happens when we're in the room together, it's very immediate. It's not a, a kind of split up process yeah. of writing parts and bringing them in. When we wrote it, it was it's kind of really, yeah, it's like that was the song I wanted. 
like that's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, no, it it was it was great. I think it, it really made it made the album. Um, but yeah, again, it was that process of you know you, you get in a rehearsal room and you you play and then you, you notice something and you you record it. A lot of the times we use our you know iPhones just in a bag. Like we just literally try and capture right, right, right. If any piece of gold jumps out, we we jump on it. So, uh, which I think is really important, you know, whether it's writing or little phrases. Like I always have a a list on my phone of mm. phrases or um, titles that you know I I just note down when they come to me. Uh, so yeah, it's like again that. Tom York esque thing of, of, of being really attuned to something and then jumping on it when it when it happens and capturing the the energy at that at that moment. What do you uh, we should probably talk about it. What art do you make that's not music? Uh, what do you so do? I, yeah, I have a background in in visual well, more visual arts, I guess, than I mean what I like about the music is I suppose it's it's absent of an image other than the the album artwork which is all stuff that I make mm-hmm. so all of the John all of the John artwork is, is stuff that I've kind of produced alongside the music um, but yeah I mean I like that song the songwriting process because it is absent of that image and you have to direct the images with words and, and sound but like yeah before that I suppose I've always believed that the the medium is in service of the idea. So I would, you know, observe something and, and, and have an idea about something. And then usually the medium of it would become apparent after the idea. So rather than rely on, you know, being a painter and saying, oh, I make paintings that are six foot by four foot and I will translate this thing into a painting every time I'm, I'm much more of the school of thir- thought that um you know th- the idea comes first so right. you know i've made films i've made uh, sculptures drawings um love it yeah it's hard to describe it's quite yeah it's quite multifaceted but um good man but i think that yeah it always comes from this this uh this observation so it's always coming through me and, and a kind of um, a constant sifting of, of moments or through life that kind of then get kind of forced through this mill of um, a medium so yeah it's, it's quite hard without showing you you know <laughs> distinct pieces right uh, I think they all the, you know the, it feels even though they're across different media like I think they do come together to show a kind of uh, idiosyncratic view, which is me. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I think it's yeah, it is a, it is a challenge to describe it in words. Um, well, you seem on. I think that's important. Like you seem thanks. Yeah, yeah. Always needing to put something out, and that's that's a good feeling. So yeah, I don't know whether my girlfriend appreciates that, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, since I haven't met another person who's seen it, what do you think of Monos? Yeah, so I guess context-wise, I went to see Monos last night at Barbican Cinema, 
No, I have not. I've, I've not. Uh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. So the Barbican is this big, uh, brutalist estate. Mm-hmm. It's um, massive, massive concrete building um, that is, I think, is very beautiful. You know, some people don't like the kind of 1950s, 60s brutalist architecture, but it's, it's very beautiful, very... Um, you know, it was very kind of utopian. So you have these big walkways intersecting underneath each other, and basically it's got a cultural centre and cinemas and exhibition spaces in it. So yeah, I went to the cinema to see the Monos. And are you you are you interviewing the cinematographer? Yeah, so? tomorrow. <laughs> oh, tomorrow. That's yeah. so that's so funny. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Tell him that it's really <laughs> really beautifully shot. It's I will. It's so so good. Um, and yeah, I, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, I think it is incredibly satisfying. Like the landscapes that are shot, mm. it's about these um, child soldiers who are kind of in this yeah. clan, and um, I won't ruin it for anyone else. But like, <laughs> yeah, just to set the scene. Did it? Did it go um, the way that you thought it would go? The movie? Because uh, it did I not think- for me. Like it really? kind of, it kind of did, but it kind of like, I don't, I just didn't really go into it thinking anything. No, I, I mean, and it I felt really it. organic. Like, it I, felt... yeah, I read about, uh, I read about two lines about it yeah. before, and I was, that was, that was fine. Like, I got the, I, you know, I got the idea, right. and I just like, you know, I just followed it, followed it, and and kind of liked the little jinks in the path. You know, I just don't think. Um, you know, I don't think uh, I needed a more linear, you know, plotline. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it ended perfectly well for me. Yeah, like I was. I, I, I was super I'm good not, with the ending. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not someone who requires. <laughs> you know, I don't want to do a spoiler again, but I don't want something to be super sewed up. Yeah, yeah. Know, I just. It's nice being kind of jettisoned into these lives, and um, and it felt it felt like I, I mean, obviously, I'm not really going to know any authenticity to <laughs> a child soldier's life, but it, it seemed quite. Um, it didn't seem too theatrical. It yeah, just, I feel that for I sure. Mean, even though it was, you know, even though it is really beautifully shot, but the, a lot of the the camera work was very nice, like kind of tracking from the almost from the hands so you get like bodily movements mm-hmm. kind of through the jungle which yeah there's some really beautiful moments and and i i didn't i well i didn't know before that the music or the sound sorry was mika levy but it was funny because there was a moment in it where i was thinking this this sound like this sound is so good it's like almost on a par with under the skin <laughs> and then i realized you know my my girlfriend said afterwards she was like oh yeah you know it's Mika Levy and I was like oh well there we like there we go but I think you know it's it's really special like it's really yeah that I mean both those films like the sound is like it's it's of a different world which is yeah and it's incredibly unique to the point where you know I did actually think it was you know Mika Levy Mm -hmm. like it was yeah there's a real um, idiosyncrasy to it I think especially when the flames happen oh my god dude the fire, that know? song I like I put that on in the car and I just like 
I go elsewhere. That's so yeah. good. No, I'm really, I'm really pleased I went because I didn't, you know, I have my girlfriend to thank. Thank you, Eleanor, um, for uh, for booking the tickets because um, it's really, it's really busy at the moment. So like, yeah. I, I, because I'm doing so much planning on, um, you know, so many dates for next year, like for, for for shows and festivals already. You know, everything gets booked up in a year in advance. So I find it quite difficult to want to plan things in which is like really important so yeah. it's great when things you know just have you know you know just on a more of a whim to go and see a film you know it's it's, it's great you know it's great to go and see yeah. but it's just hilarious that you're interviewing uh, <laughs> yeah tomorrow like i'm kind of i kind of want to be in on the discussion <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure i can i'm sure i can listen to it <laughs> online i'm just gonna say hey by the way there's gonna be this guy. Yeah, exactly. he's got nothing to do with this, but you just saw the movie and you really liked it. You just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with him. I'm really, really excited. But that that movie was yeah, you put you put it really well. I appreciated the sexuality of it a lot because I think that's a tough thing to navigate with like adolescence. But it felt like yeah, like there was the one scene. Where the three of them were kissing. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was yeah. like a like, I just really liked that for whatever reason. Like it just felt like I felt, yeah, it just didn't feel theatrical. It felt like yeah, that's something that like a bunch of like weirdly like dressed and non-conformed kids are doing like on a mountain somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and also like the isolation of it as well. Like yeah. whether there would be, you know, whether the yeah, because obviously it's like, you know, in terms of being in a kind of militarized situation, whether that's allowed, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's, but also being kind of a child and, and kind of, you know, navigating kind of growing up. Right. Like, I think it was, you know, I, yeah, it didn't seem, you know, it didn't seem too forced. Like, it was trying to achieve, like, trying to present some kind of opinion on it. It just, yeah, it seemed relatively... Um, Relative, relatively effortless in yeah. its in its inclusion, especially that bit, which I think was was good. Yeah, and I was yeah. a little uh, I was a little taken aback by the shroom scene because I just didn't like that made me like the movie more because I didn't expect really anything from it. And when they took the shrooms, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, all right. And I I thought that was really beautifully done, the way that they yeah, did that. Also, as it, its way of being like. The segue into the battle. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was that so was disorienting. Yeah. It went I from like, like, I was like, wait, like, what am I focusing on right now? But I suppose that made it more powerful because you were yeah. just. But there was an overtone of violence. You you almost felt like he was going to accidentally yeah. shoot the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the kind of love rival or potential love rival. But then, it, you know, it went into back into kind of the reality of the, the kind of harsh situation. Yeah. Um, I've never so yeah. uh, taken shrooms as a child soldier on a mountain, but it seemed pretty real. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's definitely like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, it was, no, it was really good. It was really good. I've been watching a lot of movies lately, or trying to at least, but... Yeah, I've, I've been... It's hard to find time, man. I've been watching a lot of um, 
Michael Haneke. What's that? Um, he's an Austrian director. Hmm. And seriously, seriously, um, doomy stuff. Like, amazing, amazing films, amazing director, but really, some really hard cinema. But, like, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, he's, he's great. But, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I've, which one did I watch? There's a really, I say beautiful, because beautifully, again, it's beautifully shot, beautiful cinematography. Um, called Seventh Continent, mm-hmm. and it's about this kind of basically the, the this family that falls apart. But I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I can't tell you because it will ruin it. But okay. you just, you really don't see it coming, and it just knocks the wind out of you. But I think it's so good because it shows you the power of like cinema when it's done with that intensity. All right. Well, thanks to it's, you, that'll be the next movie I watch. Yeah, I think I'll it's, throw it on. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so my, yeah, anything by Michael Haneke is really, um, I've, I've kind of really fallen in love with of late. And um, yeah, it's, it's got very, um, that Seventh Continent has a very kind of like 80s, 80s consumerist feel to it. So mm-hmm. it's all, it's very unique shot selection. So everything is really measured and, and, and beautiful. It's all about like everything's packaged and shiny, and the car is in the right place in the garage, in the shop, or the orange cartons are on the, you know, and yeah, I won't ruin it, but you you'll see all that just Great. unravel like in front of your eyes, but you won't be expecting it, even though I've said it. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty harrowing. I mean one of those films that you wake up the next day and you feel like the world's a bit different afterwards oh yeah big big talk yeah maybe not yeah maybe maybe for the worst but I don't know (laughs) but yeah but you know like uh, actually Ryan who I used to who I used to work for he always said you know the best exhibitions are the ones that you you know you end up talking about on the bus afterwards so something that has that longevity and kind of yeah I suppose influences your view beyond the duration that you're like exposed to something so yeah it's definitely uh, definitely a good one I'll peep it what do you uh, listen to um, have been listening to what are your favorites whatever however you want to answer that question yeah so I suppose that, you know I'm not going to lie but like I grew up <laughs> listening to you know I, I grew up listening to lots of punk and rock music which i suppose got me hooked on playing the drums uh-huh. and kind of that surrounding counterculture of um you know of of, of going to gigs and, and and playing gigs i suppose that you know it was yeah my entry point into music was that was that stuff but you know i think obviously as you get older you know things things broaden out and you you know, I, I started to kind of read things on a more, yeah, on a more uh, like emotional or narrative level. Where like I, I'll listen to something; it doesn't have to be like telling in a, a precise story, but like when I really kind of get my teeth into something and kind of understand, it could still be nonsense, but I could understand <laughs> the nonsense and the context of the nonsense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, like, for example, like, a band 
called McCluskey who we will um, McCluskey who, McCluskey they're like kind of very like a fantastic kind of like 90s to 2000s English rock band mm-hmm. um, and the lyrics are very they have small like parts of popular culture that intersect in them but they feel like they're really from very familiar places and and but they kind of get crushed into these like small quite humorous thrashy punk songs hmm. and um actually we've you know they they recently reformed but with an asterisk so it's it's a slightly different lineup ah. but the lead the lead singers uh, and andy um he's I suppose he's become a friend, which is kind of amazing because it was someone who I listened to and kind of admired when I was sixteen. But that, but that's um, those they're a good they're a good example of the way that I kind of like you know like uh, the use of logic and illogic in music. Like yeah, you, you'd be able to see this kind of collage of stuff being thrust into it these little punk songs for sure um, and then you know more recently like what can I say I mean <laughs> like the new Clipping album do you know Clipping yeah yeah I do know Clipping I haven't listened yeah. to them yet though I I think I prefer they the got album a like some friends noise. told me to listen to the album which is like this kind of fictional slave like it's like a fictional slave ship is mm-hmm. it oh what's it called I can look it up real quick um it's it's two words something and something i can't i can't remember but it's like yeah it's supposed to be more i, I guess it's supposed to be a bit more conceptual about um, uh it's called There Existed an Addiction to Blood. That was this year. That's the brand new one. Yeah, and then 2016 I, I have, I have was... Liking, but there's another one. Splendor and Misery. Ooh. Yeah, that's the one. I've, I've only listened... Like, I was really into their first so, their self-titled one. I listened to that a lot, and then I just kind of fell off for some reason. But yeah. actually, I saw them open for the Flaming Lips. No way. And it was like the no. weirdest... Like, I was not expecting them. And I also, that was, like, right around the time that I found out that the, like, the lead of Clipping was in the main cast of Hamilton. And I was like, what the hell? Like, and, yeah, and he was in um, <laughs> Blindspotting. Yeah. Which, which yeah. I went to see, like, at the cinema. Like, it was one of these, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I just, I mean, I thought the movie was okay. Like, I didn't. I never really got a chance really to see it, unfortunately. A lot of people love it, but, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I th- thought it was pretty good. But, yeah, then a friend of mine said, oh, yeah, it's the same guy. And um, Yeah, good for yeah. him. But good like, for um, him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, and I think his delivery is really great. I mean, I'm, I love, I love rhythmic delivery because mm-hmm. it's kind of what I have to do anyway because I sing and drum. Right, right. So it's like I can only do, uh, I can only sing in, in, um, in rhythm with my limbs. So I suppose that's why, you know, stuff like that, you know, clipping or, you know, death grips as well, you know, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting because you, it's got, a, yeah, it's kind of combination of the sound of the delivery and the Have you listened delivery. to uh, JPEG Mafia? I keep getting recommended, but like, I 
dude. Yeah. I, I just saw him a couple weeks ago and like oh my god. The dude's the dude's phenomenal. Yeah. He's got a really original sound and it's it's well worth if you dig death grips, I mean it's not death grips. <laughs> I'll make that clear. But he's he's got a re- if you like clipping and death grips, then I think there's definitely some stuff on there for you. At least even his first album, Veteran. Happy Veterans Day, uh actually. Yesterday, uh, yes. I think. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, he, his first album, Veteran, or not his first album, that's his second. But his album, Veteran, is really like kind of dark and mucky. And then he released the one this year that's more like, it's like a little bit brighter. It's still dark, but it's it's just wild. Like there's a, all I'll say is there's a cover of No Scrubs on it. <laughs> Take that as you will. But yeah, dude's just like all over the place. And I love it. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a magazine. So there's a magazine who, um, which is really great, great magazine called Loud and Quiet from London, and they've been really supportive of our stuff. Um, cool. And I, I kind of know the guys who write, write, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, direct it. And I've I've just picked up a magazine. I think there's a big feature on JPEG Mafia. Good. So I guess that's probably a good introduction to read through that. But um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be up my street. You know. Um, yeah, Could do so it. I'm trying to think of anything else, but like, I, yeah, I've, I don't know. It's just, I kind of get it when I get it. It's like um, the hardest question to answer, like what you listen to. It's not an easy thing. Yeah, and I think it does come down to, it's such a combination of things, and that's kind of the beauty of music is when <laughs> the sound of music really can merge with words mm-hmm. i mean i know that some music is instrumental as well whatever but like when it can just create an uh, an image so perfectly or like a place or a, a situation mm-hmm. and all those things just chime together to you know it's really potent and yeah there's not like a there's no you know there's no like a, sorry there's no algorithm for that it's just, you know, trying to kind of put things together and collage things together. It's like that's what's so interesting about mm-hmm. it. So, you mentioned Tom York. So, do you like Radiohead or? The, fun- the funny thing is, is like, I'm I'm too young, really, to have felt the full force of it. Like, I think there will be people my age who who love love it. But I'm one of these people who, like, if I wasn't there really at the time... John, no. I... I... No, no, but no. I just, it's more... It's, no, I, 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 I do... I love what I hear, and I need to go back through. But it, it's, you know, when I... When I started growing up, like, I, I just didn't feel like I was uh, able... I'm just, it's probably just, like, not feeling comfortable with saying, like, I'm a massive, massive fan. Like you just really, gotta die really in. living it but I could just lie and say yeah I'm a massive Tom York fan but yeah it, I mean there's no denying that that man is um, greatest band of all time yeah like, he's, <laughs> he's fantastic and like that's why like I have no problem like just even what he says makes complete sense to yeah. me but, um, but you know I could I could definitely listen you know I need you know, it's another thing that I feel like I could be more like if I had more hours in my life, like I'd love to go through everything, uh, everything that he's ever done. 
and actually he's from you know they're from Oxford so yeah. from very close to where I you know grew up so they're probably you know the biggest the biggest band from where I'm you know mm-hmm. where I grew up so so you, it's an obligation then yeah it should be but well you I'm see still... I'm 20 and I'm from Michigan in the United States of America and I'm the biggest Radiohead fan so I don't know what that says so, so, I so you say, so yeah. you have to figure it out yeah I just I don't know maybe I, I kind of wish I was into it when I was a kid instead of listening to some you know it's funny because it didn't hit me until I was I think like 16 because my dad has always played them and I was like what's this sad stuff like this is just weird and then like the electronic stuff and then i don't know it got me but there's there's an ongoing joke that i always end up finding a way to talk about radiohead to every single person that i talk to oh really and i like so i did it i did it i said you didn't even need the excuse well usually i just am annoying and bring it up and i'm like yeah so radiohead but yeah you brought up tom york and i just can't i can't not that's quite funny i can't that's, not. that's serendipitous those are those are the boys to me i, w- I actually went and saw them you know what? I don't need to get into it, but yeah, I, no, I've, I've I've seen them, so I've got. Oh, I've oh, got you've that, seen I've them. I've got that under. I've got that under my belt. Where'd you so see them fine. at? When'd you see them? I, I think I saw them in in Austria. Really? Uh, in a place called San Polten, hmm. a, a festival called Frequency. Hmm. And then I've also seen. I mean, it's, it's different. <laughs> I saw Atoms for Peace as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's where, awesome. With is with Flea. Yeah, is it Flea. Johnny Greenwood, Tom York, and Flea. And yeah, Flea. I feel like there's another. I, my brain says there's another person. I don't know why. It's definitely Tom and Flea, though. Yeah, that must have been cool, though. That's a really interesting project. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah. So I have I've got a few Radiohead stars. All right. On my on my jacket, but like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's always I've always been like that though. It's like with older. You know, older music as well. So, like, you know, where someone might be a massive Thin Lizzy fan mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, I just, it's almost like I don't feel like I can take a, you know, say that I I really love it because I, I don't feel like I have a, a, a right to ownership of it. But it's just a silly, it's a silly, silly thing, really. Is there anybody yeah. that you feel you do have the right to ownership that you just love? Probably, probably not, you know. Really? Um, wow. You like the know. you like the Beatles? Have you ever heard of the Beatles? No. Although I've got a good story about the Beatles. Oh, like tell it, tell my, it. My mum, my mum had. There's this like classic greatest hits of the Beatles. Um, that is a red tape and a blue tape. So you've got the red tape, which has got like what what I thought was the good stuff when I was a kid. So it's like paperback writer. Yeah. yeah. I always like that one. It's basically like the most punk sounding Beatles song. Yeah. So that was like the one I wanted to listen to. And then, you know, the blue one had Eleanor Rigby on. The so blue is like, like... <laughs> yeah, it's like, nah, I don't want that. And then it's, it's probably, well, I don't know. It's probably something to do with the atmosphere changing. But back when we used to get very, very hot summers in, um, in the UK, like my mum left the red tape on the dashboard mm-hmm. of a Rover, and it just uh, it melted onto the dashboard. So we, it meant that we only had the blue tape. 
so that was really uh, that's my sad story but um, yeah you wouldn't have that problem nowadays would you <laughs> tapes yeah was music a big part of your childhood um, yeah I think there was always stuff being played I, I wouldn't necessarily I think the in terms of being a musician it kind of skipped generations so mm-hmm. My grandfather played the organ, um, but like my my mum and dad didn't um, didn't do anything kind of musical other than you know playing records and uh, you know uh, tapes in the car. So I think a lot of the time songs are quite like quite synonymous with journeys. So like there were certain songs and tapes that you'd listen to going to certain places so my family's from the north of England mm-hmm. and I'm based we were based we grew up down south so there was a lot of a lot of my memories of music came from these these long journeys um, which is nice because I, I think yeah it's kind of again the they've kind of transferred into the way that I can you know create images you know from certain songs or evoke certain journeys through um, yeah or spaces through through songs as well so yeah I think it's uh, yeah we, we had music in the house for sure but it just um, it was more of a you know it wasn't just like oh pick, pick up this instrument I, I think I got kind of encouraged at my primary school to like pick up a drum or something and then Maybe I kind of got into, I think I got into like reading music magazines as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like actually buying them in print from the small news agent in, uh, in the town. And I kind of, that opened up this world of um, rock and pop, I guess. And then that encouraged me to kind of be like, oh, I want to kind of, I want to do this as something that might lead to a performance. And then just, you know, ended up here. On top of the world. Yeah, not really. In South London, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for the chat. Cool. Uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. It's been I a hope good time. Was, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, pleasure sure. to speak across the pond. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll probably publish this in a couple weeks or so, and I'll hit you up when See I do. Then. And I'll I'll be sure to tell Jasper that my friend from London appreciated yeah no no please do like I'll be interested to hear the episode as well just because uh, you know it's I think it'll be great hearing some uh, try and get some of the yeah get the get some like inside scoop on like I mean yeah it would be really fascinating to hear so I'll definitely lots of pressure listen. lots of pressure I don't know yeah I'll try my best <laughs> alright man well uh, hopefully next time we talk you'll be getting a Brit award or something and yeah, can... hopefully, me and the Catwigs. Or... <laughs> oh my god, that album! I was just about to, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Did you yeah. like it? Did you like it? Uh, from what I've listened, it's, yeah, it sounds really good, but I need to sit down with it. But um, You should also uh, uh, go through a breakup, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I, I just got out of a relationship, and it, uh, it makes the album different, I'll say that. Oh, really? It, okay. It's okay. crushing, I sat, I sat, bro. I sat uh, opposite her and uh, our pats once in a cafe. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Look at you rubbing elbows. 
know what they were eating, but I kind of wish I could remember now. Dang like, it. So I could say something good, you know, like, I don't know. That was All a... I know is that R. Pats was wearing a gilet. That was it. Oh, speaking of R. Pats, have you seen The Lighthouse? No, but I want to. Go see, really good. Go see The Lighthouse. Yeah, the trailer looks amazing. Monos so. was movie of the year for me until I saw The Lighthouse. I'll just say that. Really? Absolutely okay. phenomenal. So yeah, Sweet. I recommend the lighthouse. I'm ho- I was hoping it would be because I just yeah l- looked like really up my street. Did you ever so, see yeah. The Witch, Robert Eggers' first movie? No, no. That's also really good. That's on Netflix yeah. if you want like a precursor. But that's like 1600s. It's it's a good vibe. It's really really good. Cool. All right. Well, Sweet. keep well, in touch, so man. Much. I appreciate chatting with you.